Folks, our first on-demand workshop, How to Become a Coffee Consultant, is now available for you to learn at your own pace for just 50 euros, and it comes with a certificate upon completion. Go to mapperforward.coffee forward slash workshops or click the link in the show notes for more details. Support this podcast by supporting our sponsors. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Map It Forward, friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar. And look, I have had conversations this year that have, and I've ended the, the final episode or I've started the end of the final episode, you know what I mean, with I'm really sad that this is going to be the last episode of the series. And I always mean it. Never have I meant it more than this conversation. This, honestly, Martin, this has been such a wonderful conversation you're a true inspiration. I know, no, look, I spoke to people um, before approaching you to come on this podcast and you're right. You polarize people. Lots mm-hmm. of people have different um, opinions about you. I think that you are a gift to our industry and I have found this conversation really wonderful. So thank you for what you shared in this industry. I really appreciate it and I value it. And the audience of this podcast is amongst the more um, serious people in the industry. These are, you know, it's not the latte artists and the and the you know the insta fashionistas and and insta famous people. These are people who are legitimate professionals and long term business people in the industry. And I know that they can recognize what's special about you and and the grit that you've cultivated to have what you have. So I just want to start the episode by thanking you for that because we're going to talk today about sustainable profitability and the thing that pisses me off in this industry is people who wax poetic about I had a coffee business I had a coffee business I had a coffee business and they couldn't keep it open more than two years you've had a business that's been profitable for a long time and there have been times when it's not profitable but you've had a sustainable business so we're going to talk about a couple of things what Let's start it with what do you think is is the hallmark of what the mindset is of somebody who's building a sustainably profitable business in the coffee industry? I think the most important thing is seeing where the market is. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're not you're not selling to your neighbors who like the pie. You once you scale, you're scaling into a market. Yeah. So. Do you really understand the market or are you wishfully thinking that the market fits you, <laughs> right? So yeah, right. are you hoping that the market is just ready for you because you're so special that all of a sudden everybody's going to come and drink your coffee? And to be honest, somebody who's never had a natural coffee thinks a natural processed coffee is disgusting. <laughs> it's <Right>. a process. <laughs> so if you don't know your market in any business, are you really in the business, right? So I think yeah. that's a big one. And then... Like I've always said, and it's it's a duality, right? You need the financial model. You need the scalable model that you can kind of plug and play different variables. But then, frankly, you need that human element of what do I believe in and where do I want to, I want to mm-hmm. get to? Because when you're having those challenges that every entrepreneur has and every business has, yeah, the model is going to be nice and stuff. But do you really believe in what you're doing? Does it yeah. really matter to you? Are you really willing to work that second job to get to phase two? Are you really willing to make less money for the first X years to get to. So there's this kind of like, it's a nice duality of like the ones and zeros. And then like, what do I believe in? And where do I think I can get to? And where where do I think I'm capable of getting this thing? So that's kind of the, the push pull that you live and you should live because you can't be all in the numbers and you can't be all in the emotional kind of yeah. 
what matters to me. It's 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 this dance that really you have to figure out the congruency. But I think any business you're in, if you don't understand the market and what the market opportunities, limitations, variables are, who the competitors competitors are, who's doing it well, then you have a, a serious problem from the start. And I think that's I don't know why that's so lost, but yeah. uh, I think it's just kind of business one one. It sounds like uh, Mohammed Mirai from Saifa Coffee in in Dubai. Uh, you know, I said to him, "What's more important, having a profit driven business or a values driven business?" And he said, "A balance of the two. Of course. And that's kind of what you're echoing here. And both of you are successful in in what you've done and have had sustainable su- sustainable sustainably profitable businesses, which is a real testament to this idea of having a balance between profit-driven and values-driven businesses. Yeah, because it's hard. And at the point when you're laying in bed at two in the morning and you can't sleep because of yeah. whatever reason, the balance sheet's not going to answer your questions. The balance sheet's not going to no. be like, okay, hey, suck it up, go to sleep, sleep two hours, wake up and do it again. Yeah, You have to have a driver. You have to care about something. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, I think a lot of the newer companies only care about being put on a pedestal or being recognized as this or that. And I think it's led to something I really despise in our industry, which is this kind of, um, it's that stupid theory of like the crabs. When you pick up a crab from a, uh, a bucket, uh-huh. book it, it grabs onto other ones and they, they all kind of pull each other into right. the pot. They get killed, essentially. And for me, that's what's happening in coffee. And it, it reflects a little bit of the mindset that people have towards me, which is, oh, my erga is big. My erga sells blends. My erga does this. My erga does that. Well, my erga was me trying to figure out how to help a farmer in Nicaragua right. 20-some years ago. My erga was me with a specialty roasting retail shop in 1999 before people even knew what that was. I've just grown and I've been successful. So this premise that because somebody's successful, they must be bad or they must be low quality it's kind of goofy because I would think people would look and say, hey, what did they do to become successful? But B, this premise that there's only going to be one company standing. That's kind of the premise that I see in the industry, which is like, right. we are the best. We are the most sustainable. The we are the mark. most. Well, guess what? There's a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah. Why don't we emerge 500 of us Yeah. to displace the big companies that have been the historical problem makers and, and, and oppressors of, of opportunity? for the poorest in the world. And why don't we support each other and recognize, okay, Martin does things that I don't do, but I respect what he's doing. Because I respect, trust me, I respect if somebody wants to curate a 91 point geisha day and day, I respect it. I also am realistic enough to know that their market is this big. Um, Mm. I respect somebody who wants to just sell flavored K-cups. And as long as they're doing it in a way that, you know, my values align with. But I think this premise of like, we have to be, the only company, the most sustainable, the best, the this, the that. I think it's it's actually killing the premise of what specialty could have been. Um, and I'm seeing it kind of implode now. Yeah. Talk, so I think, let, go ahead. Go ahead, please. No, no, go ahead. This leads me to the idea of blends. And, and I know that that might seem like a strange segue for some people that are listening to this, but hear me out for a second. There's this kind of idea in some parts of the world that blends are diminishing the quality of specialty coffee or that certain processing methods are an assault to the definition of specialty coffee. Uh, you know, I had a beverage company that we're relaunching in a you know a couple of years in, in the Middle East, but 
apparently my beverage was an assault on what specialty coffee is, which led to a whole bunch of, of wild shit happening. But when we talk about blends and we talk about sustainable profitability, do you think that you can work as a business, as a sustainably profitable business, not having blends? I think the first question I would ask myself is what is the market looking for? They're looking for right. a profile. They're looking for a taste. And let me back up because my history of not of moving into blends came from a very different place. Okay. I find it, and this may be controversial, but I find it almost exploitative to buy from a farmer, put them on your bag, talk about this coffee, this origin, this farm, and use that as your branding. It's kind of a weird kind of mm -hmm. theft transference for me, yeah. which is, okay, well then how much are they making on the, their coffee that you're promoting, that you're talking about? And really my question is, who the fuck are you then? Yeah, You're just a process that is really taking what these people, I guess, could have been in your eyes and you're putting them to the market. But then who are you? What are you? What do you represent? What are your skills? What are your abilities? For me, blending came from, Man, when I was in Miami as a kid, and I remember my dad sitting around with the Cubans who had also left their country because we left Nicaragua in a hurry through the revolution. It was the feeling of that, like, man, they're, they're sitting there talking about their countries, their love of their country, their disappointment, where things have gone, their opportunities in the U.S., and they happen to be drinking this coffee that had a certain taste. Mm. So for me, it came from the essence of what the coffee really represented in the moment in the cup. Mm. And while farmers are critical and important, and to me, the most important part of our supply chain, I as a brand and as a company need to create something that is authentically mine and authentic to my history and my beliefs and my Values. ethnicity. You know, I mm. drink out of the Orgullo Latino. I'm proud to be Latino. I used to have to hide it because the world was not as open as it is mm. today. And I had to, now I've wear it on my sleeve. And for me, you look at my blends, look. Um, Cafe Cubano came from my experience in Miami and the kind of Cubans and Nicaraguans and that whole vibe. Muy macho, while I've gotten comments about it being, you know, the word macho being problematic. During the revolution, when I couldn't leave my house for a year because people were in a war, I literally was so freaked out. I, I created a fake character called Muy Macho, who was like this wrestler, and it was like <laughs> my imagination. I made a blend around it. Yeah. There's purpose to it. There's definition to it. And guess what? Once you create these blends, A, you're showing that you are a true craftsperson who can source the right coffee, maintain the, the flavor profile, create a flavor profile that is unique to you, mm -hmm. and create an identity about who you are. Your blends tell the story of who you are. So frankly, if you're selling Jamaican me crazy and French roast and all the BS you used to see, you just- <laughs> Jamaican uh, me crazy? Oh my God, I can't believe that stuff still exists, but there's companies still out there like That's doing those goofy things. So then you're, okay, I'm just selling coffee to sell coffee. But our blends are purposeful and have been forever. And I'm sorry if it's offensive to you that I'm taking a farmer's coffee and buying it in volume and paying them well for it and respecting them and treating them well and understanding them as people and developing friendships with them and then having the audacity to actually create a brand and an identity for myself Sorry, but that's what I'm doing, and that's what the market wants. And it really is what the market wants. Hundred percent. And it's just like for me, I don't have the arrogance to say no. Well, you want this, but I'm going to give you that. That's a short-lived business. So I think blends are a reality. I think a lot of things. It's it's being pragmatic and it's saying again, everything I talk about goes back to scale. I don't mm -hmm. want to be 
the coolest little brand. I want to displace big brands. And that is not going to come at 50 million, 100 million. That's going to come at 500 million, a billion dollars. People don't realize in the United States, there are coffee companies who are doing between 600 and $1.2 billion that you've never heard of. Yeah. And I've asked people in the industry, if they've never heard of them. I want those people to move out of existence mm -hmm. because I don't believe in what they do. And if I could, I'll give you a quick little uh, adage to, to, to this. About 15 years ago, when I started seeing, maybe 10 years ago, I started seeing the emergence of new smaller brands. I wrote a letter because back in the day, we used to write letters um, <laughs> to, I think, 30 of them. I yeah. said, listen, we're all small. Let's work together. Yeah. Let's import coffee together. Let's work with the, the syrup companies together. Let's leverage our, it's like a co-op. I believe in the co-op model in Latin America. And I wanted to create, I literally got no responses except for one that said, fuck you. My intention is to put you out of business. Wow. That is the mentality we deal with. So yeah. 29 of them basically said, screw this guy. One literally took the time to tell me what they thought and believed. And that is the problem. And by the way, I think 28 of those companies are out, out of existence. No doubt. So why we have this mentality and specialty that we're special and we're the most special and nobody else can exist. It, it's just to me, that is the problem of honestly, the, the kind of poverty mentality, right? Which is yep. there's only this much and I need to take it. When in reality, there's this much. And we can all be part of it. And we can all understand that, hey, you want to sell your 91 point geishas all day long? Great. You want to just sell Jamaican me crazy in the K-Cup? Great. To me, it's like, are we doing the right thing at origin? Are we telling the, the right realities? Uh, are, and are we addressing core issues? But the end of how we get there, we can do it in so many different ways. And um, I think at the end of the day, the word sustainability is so misused into just an environmental mm -hmm. thing. Well, you have to be profitable to be sustainable. And there's no shame in it. You know, there's no shame in making money and using that money to to do good. And frankly, for me, and it's a terrible thing to say, apparently, but I want generational wealth for my kids because I grew up Why not? not not having the things that my friends had. I didn't have the 12 speed. I didn't. And yeah, I mean, there's worse things in life, but I want my kids to then and I, I teach my kids, I'm going to create a foundation for you, but not to just sit comfortably. Go out and do something in the world with that. Go out yeah. and make an impact. Use this as a lever to pull to go back to our countries. My son's been to 27 countries. He's 17 years old. He's wow. seen it all. You know, he still is pretty fucked up by the fact we went to Belize after somebody bailed on a bunch of producers there in cacao, which I don't even really deal with. They called me because I've heard stories about us working with co-ops and we went down there, we helped them. The son uh, had his leg amputated and he was, you know, not doing wow. it so great. My son and I connect, uh, my son connected with him pretty well. And the son was older than my kid, but they had a little bit of a connection. When we went back, he passed away. They didn't have oh, access no. to healthcare, And so you see those things and you see those at a young age. And my son struggles. He's like, you know, I feel very privileged. I feel I'm like, you are privileged. Mm. I've created privilege out of hardship. Your job is now to eliminate and alleviate hardship out of privilege. And so for me, that's that's the goal. And that's the sustainability. Right. And my staff is the same thing. I want my team to have own a home, not worry about health care, not worry about retirement. I mean, one of the things I was telling you earlier is. Mm. We built about a million dollars of retirement uh, pool for through our 401k program that's sitting there for our staff for when they retire. My goal is to build it to 3 million. And mm. so for me, it's success is part of growth and and, and um, sustainability is financial, is social, it's environmental. And, but that's what business is. You know, it's the old grow or die. You grow and you, you create success or 
you get taken out. I mean, it's it's a harsh reality. I again want to thank you for this series. This has been without me realizing a conversation that I really needed to have. So um, thank you for what you're doing in the industry. Um, thank you for all the mistakes that you've made. Thanks for all the grit that you've cultivated. Thanks for the apologies that you've made along your way that get you to exactly become the kind of person that you are. There's a lot of people who could learn a lot from you. And I'm grateful that we got to have this conversation. Um, where's the best place that people can find you online and all that you stuff? know the best bet is myorgacoffee.com you okay. know we're not a traditional company like i said i've been through the stages so i used to yep. do the groceries and work with the traders and the brokers and realized they're all making money and i'm losing money so right. we've really gotten a very good model where you know if you go to myorgacoffee.com you can you know and we're in all the big kind of retailers but you know, I think to learn about us and to understand, and look, one of the things that I want to really make clear out there is, and maybe I've been guilty of kind of vilifying people sometimes because I get frustrated, but all I'm doing and all I've tried to do is I came from countries where I saw things that are not right. And I saw people's hope and opportunity to completely be crushed. And for me, my goal is I will never put coffee on a pedestal above people and above community. And if that means that you know, I have to offend you with an 83 point coffee and do it in volume, then I'm going to do it, you know? And if that means that I'm not paying enough because you're paying $3 for a coffee that you really should be paying $2 for. But if I'm paying 10 cents more a pound, think about the math. 10 cents more a pound is $44,000 per container. Well, it doesn't sound like much, but what if you're selling 300 containers or 400 mm -hmm. containers? Do that math, right? It's incremental and it's scale and it's, thought out and it's intelligent and it's impactful. And my impact is not, I'm not looking to get that little quick hit where I help this one farmer, you know, buy a new pair of shoes. I want to change communities and countries. And that's not going to come with paying, overpaying for product and not being able to be in the market. It's incremental. Everything in life that's worthwhile is built incrementally. And then you look back and you're like, oh shit, it's serious now. It's volume. And that $4,000 per container if I'm selling 5, 000, uh, 500 containers, it's $2 million. That's real money. So I yeah. think for me, if there's anything, and I'm not being apologetic to anybody because I don't need anybody to like me. What I'm trying to do is explain who I am, which is I want to make an impact and I will never fall into the storyline that the industry tries to feed us to feel special. Because frankly, anybody can buy quality. If you feel special because your coffee is 90 points, I mean, anybody can do that and just pay for a 90 point coffee and sell it. Mm -hmm. Not very differentiated. I want to be on my deathbed and look at impact that I created for people who may not have had the opportunity for that vehicle that I brought through with my incremental growth. And if that offends you, then I would look at my, you know, if I were you, I'd look at myself. That's your problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really hope you come back on the podcast. I, I really look forward to having more conversations with you on here. So thank you very much. Likewise. I've enjoyed it a lot. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, I would. I want to ask you if you will sign off this episode for us with what we usually say: peace, love, and peanut butter. If you would mind. Right. Peace, love, and peanut butter. Have an amazing rest <laughs> of your day, everyone. Bye.
Thanks for tuning in, friends. There are two ways you can support this podcast. Firstly, become a paid member of our YouTube channel. Secondly, you can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Both have options for exclusive ad-free content and early release content. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. The Daily Coffee Pro is produced by Map It Forward and the music you're listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight. To get older episodes of this podcast, as well as more information on Map It Forward, head to mapitforward.coffee. You can find links and more information in the show notes below.